Welcome to the ACC Basketball Report. My name is Michael Hunter, and if you are just figuring it out, we now have music, motherfuckers, which I'm very excited about. You know, it's the simple things in life that get me excited. Um, I have zero audiovisual experience before this podcast, so every time I make a new uh, addition, uh, figure something out, it excites me a great deal, and I'm really excited to have music. I'm still trying to figure out the... Uh, the, the phone capabilities, but uh, we're going to get that figured out here pretty quick. I'm going to start doing some uh, phone interviews, some, having some guests, uh, people that know college basketball as well as people that do not know college basketball. So I'm really looking forward to it. I'm really excited in the direction that the show's headed, and uh, I, I hope you guys are too. I hope you guys are enjoying what I'm putting out there. So, <clears throat> again, this is the ACC Basketball Report. I am your host, Michael Hunter. Um, that was uh, You Wouldn't Know by Hell Yeah, one of my favorite bands. Seen them multiple times in concert. Great band to go see live. Um, it is a combination of Mudvayne and Pantera, which uh, also two of my favorite bands. Uh, I am Michael Hunter, your host as always, uh, also known as that Picone36 on Twitter. Um, I got a little bit of ex- uh, exciting news for myself this week, and for those of you who may enjoy any content that I'm putting out, um, I will be joining Slap the Sign as a... Uh, as a contributor for their website, it is a fan-sided website, and it is a website concentrating solely on uh, Notre Dame Fighting Irish sports. So, uh, my contribution will obviously be basketball-related. Uh, during the off-season, I'll be concentrating tip, uh, mainly on uh, recruiting and uh, the upcoming season, and then I'll do some game reviews and things like that. Um, typically, look for my stuff to be. Maybe once a week, maybe once every 10 days, something like that. I'm looking on uh, getting uh, some video uh, training sessions and things like that that are required of me. Hopefully finished up today. Uh, not sure if I got time. I got a lot of stuff going on this afternoon, but we'll see if I can get that figured out. Uh, just wanted to remind you guys to like, rate, review, share this podcast uh, with anybody who may be interested in ACC basketball. Um, I am planning on continuing to do shows throughout the off season, so look for me there. I don't know if it'll be once a week, or it may be uh, a situation where I let uh, kind of news build up, and then I can give. I, I typically like to jump on for an hour. So when I have an hour worth of content, I'll jump on. Uh, it may not be Sundays in the off season. It may just be kind of whenever I feel like it. And I may pop in with, you know, if there's a big story, such as some of the stories we have coming out now, um, I may jump on and give my thoughts real quick. 10, 15 minute, you know, quick hitters. So look for that. Again, this is a crowdfunded podcast, as always. Uh, So go to ACC Basketball Report. Click on the RSS feed on the right-hand side. That'll take you to my Podbean page. Click on Be a Patron and Contribute however you see fit. I definitely support anybody or appreciate anybody who supports the show. Um, Real quick, we're going to jump into... The ACCBR bracket review, uh, I got on Wednesday, released my picks for the Sweet 16 for all eight games. Uh, on the first night, I went 0 for 4. <laughs> so um, I was pretty much hoping to go 0 and 8 because I think going 0 and 8 is as impressive as going 6 and 2 or 8 and 0 or something to that. So I was I was, I was looking to go 8 and 8. I ended up at 3 and 5. Um, not, uh, not my best work. And hopefully none of you guys placed any bets or anything like that. As at this point in this tournament, if you're still placing bets, I think you're probably out of your damn mind. But um, I'm going to talk a little bit today about the bracket that I have left. Um, currently, um, I have two of my final four for the ACCBR official bracket, Nova and Duke. Obviously, I've lost one of my uh, my championship game 
uh, teams in Arizona who was lost in, to Buffalo in the first round. I still have Duke winning it at all, um, although right now Villanova looks really strong. Uh, Going to jump into um, some bracket review, uh, just some some random thoughts I have on each of the, some of the games recently. I'm not going to talk about all the games because I didn't see all the games, but uh, I'm just going to do you know what I was able to see. You know, again, the real job gets in the way of what I love to do a lot of the time. So, um, Florida State, I guess, would be Florida State and Syracuse. Uh, you know, this is the ACC basketball report, so we got to talk about ACC teams predominantly. And I'm sorry that my phone just went off, but um, Florida State was a team that, you know, I said all season they have Sweet 16, Elite Eight kind of makeup, but they have, you know, one-and-done coaching. And I think that Florida State beating Gonzaga, and especially beating them the way they did, 75-60, to 60, was one of the bigger surprises of this tournament. Now, there's been a lot of huge surprises in this tournament. But um, Florida State's talented. Florida State's athletic. Florida State can shoot it. They don't have a superstar. They don't have great coaching, which I thought would be their downfall. Um, unfortunately, it came three rounds later than I thought it was going to be. Um, they did fall last night to Michigan, 58-54, to in a game that was, I'm not going to say difficult to watch because I like to watch Michigan play, mostly because I don't know any of these players. These A lot of these players that Michigan has is not a highly publicized roster. You know, these aren't blue-chip kids. They're kids that, you know, Beeline went to Belgium to find Mo Wagner. You know, he, I don't know, you don't see a lot of these kids high on recruiting rankings or, you know, on rivals or on ESPN, not that you would go to ESPN for, for recruiting rankings, hopefully, but, uh, you know, definitely check out 24-7, definitely go to rivals. You know, those guys are dedicated to recruiting, whereas ESPN, I don't know. I don't, I don't know what Bean Cardi does, but he's typically wrong. They had Josh Okogie from Georgia Tech as a zero-star athlete, and, you know, Anish, Anish Schraub says it every time that, they have a game on ESPN. It pisses me off. But anyway, <clears throat> watching this Michigan team play is something I enjoy doing. Watching a game that's 58-54 to 54 is not something I enjoy doing. Uh, Florida State finally played up to their coaching, I thought, last night and was finally eliminated. Uh, you know, Leonard Hamilton choosing not to foul 15 seconds left. I don't understand that. Um, and, I, I, you know, big ups to Dana Jacobson for asking the tough questions. And I think Hamilton kind of came off looking like an ass in that interview after the game. Um, it, it's Leonard Hamilton coaching. It's it's Florida State basketball over the last 16 years. I, I don't really know what else you can say about it. FSU is only going to go as far as their coaching allows them to. Carlton Young stocks that roster full of talent every year, and Leonard Hamilton bungles it. Now, this year he looked pretty good getting to the Sweet 16, but then he looks like an ass on TV afterwards. So. You know, we'll see where this job goes when Hamilton leaves. You know, ultimately he's 70 years old. Eventually he's going to age out. Uh, we'll see if Carlton Young gets the job. I, I, I think that's what he's waiting for, but I don't know if that's going to happen. Um, I don't know if, if Florida State cares enough about basketball to make a splashy hire or if they hire Carlton Young and go that way. Um, he wasn't very impressive at Georgia State when he was there. But uh, it'll be interesting to see where that goes. Not that I don't think Hamilton's going anywhere anytime soon. The guy looks like he's 43 years old. It's it's remarkable. Um, he actually did an interview this week about that after one of the games. Um, moving on to another ACC team that was eliminated this week, Syracuse. I thought, you know, I've been hard on Syracuse this year. Haven't shown them a lot of love. I've shown some of their individual players some love. Uh, they put up a valiant effort against Duke this week. Uh, like I predicted, Duke won the game, but Syracuse covered the spread. I think the spread was at 11 at the tip. And I thought that was way too high for the way that Syracuse plays defense. Um, you know, they they got 
Duke to buy into the same kind of game plan or the same kind of game play that Michigan State did. Duke is just a little bit better um, at doing what they do. Um, you know, they didn't shoot well from three, but, you know, they got lucky because Frank Howard had an off game. Uh, Merrick Dolajai was in foul trouble. And then on the flip side of that coin, you had uh, Marvin Bagley and Wendell Carter Jr. combined to go for 36-19. and 19. Duke had 16 offensive rebounds, similar to what Michigan State did to that zone. And I think basically what it comes down to is Syracuse's luck kind of ran out. Um, you can only give up so many offensive rebounds before somebody's going to make you pay. And Tyus Battle, uh, he played well. Uh, I think he had 19 points. But he's also the only guy in his team to hit a three-pointer that night. Um, Syracuse relies very heavily on their perimeter play there perimeter oriented team you know Frank Howard Tyus Battle O'Shea Brissett those three guys make this team go and if if none of them three can score or two out of the three can't score there's Syracuse's you know chances of success are, are, are very slim to probably none uh you know Syracuse big ups to you proving me wrong after I was uh, very hard on you last uh three four weeks of the season and uh during ACC tournament play as well as early rounds of the NCAA tournament once again, Beheim proves he can coach, and <laughs> I think his coaching ability is second only to his his uh, entertainment ability in the post-game press conference. I have not seen the post-game press conference from the Duke game, but I haven't heard much about it anyway, so maybe it was rather tame. Uh, Clemson, being the fourth team left, was uh, dispatched by, by Kansas. Uh, Kansas won with relative ease, I thought, uh, by 13 at halftime. And what you get in a game like this Clemson made it a game in the second half. I think they outscored Kansas by nine in the second half and actually put up almost 50 and a half. Uh, Gabe DeVoe just lost his goddamn mind. He was not ready for his career to be over. The problem is when you're down 13 and a half, you have to expend so much energy to get back into the game that by the time you get back there, you're exhausted, you're tired, you're worn out, you've used up all your good shots. And then you get down in the final couple minutes of the game where – you can strike, you can take uh, take advantage, you can take the lead, and um, ultimately Clemson ended up settling for some uh, some three point attempts that I thought were ill advised given the situation, and uh, and Kansas was able to pull it to victory. Well, I you know it's funny I have Kansas I have a Kansas futures ticket at uh, fifteen hundred uh, plus fifteen hundred, so I'm really interested in Kansas winning this whole thing. But at the same time, I'm in a office pool where I have two brackets in, one for Duke, one for Villanova winning it all, and everybody that's left has Kansas winning. So it's more lucrative for me for Kansas to win it all, but at the same time, I kind of want bragging rights in the office. So I don't really know where I stand. I guess I win either way, um, whether it be monetary or bragging rights. I think I'd rather have the money. We'll see what happens. But... Uh, no, I'd rather have the bragging rights. I'd rather walk around the office like that chicken that just knocked up all the hens, or the rooster that just knocked up all the hens. I think that's better for me. I, I think that's better. I, I, okay, so I'm looking forward to uh, – I'm actually looking for Duke to win this tournament, which is crazy. Anyway, I'm going to move on. And I think last week I said that Duke looked like the number one team left in this tournament. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to swap that a bit after seeing this week's games. I think it's pretty obvious that Villanova is the best team left in this tournament. Um, West Virginia did give them a little bit of trouble with the press, I thought. But ultimately, uh, Villanova's just, they're incredible to watch play basketball. I think they were down five. And I switched back to the Kansas-Clemson game. And I kind of looked up at the score in the right-hand corner because all these all these channels you know, keep you monitoring all the games. 
and they went from down five to up ten in, I'm going to say, ten to twelve real time minutes. It was truly remarkable. And then I I flip it back over, and Amari Spellman is just doing everything, and it, it was really crazy. Um, it, it wasn't something I expected. I thought West Virginia would keep it close. I was actually sad to see. Uh, Javon Carter and Daxter Miles play their last game. Miles, of course, fouled out, and it didn't go particularly well for him that night. Uh, that backcourt, that's an end of an era in West Virginia, in Morgantown. Um, it, I also wonder what this means for Huggins. With with Carter and Miles going, um, that is, I'm not going to say his, his, his last shot at a winner, but because he's, he, he's still recruiting at a tremendous level. This Lamonte West kid's a great player. They got a kid coming in next year, Trey Dooms out of Georgia, who I really like. I think West Virginia kids, uh, you know, fans are really going to like him. But when I look at Huggins, he's 64 years old. The man has had health problems in his past. Um, he always looks stressed to the max. You know, of course, you know, he's, you know, I'm not saying, I'm just saying he's he's overweight. You know, he's a big guy. Um I wonder about his long-term, you know, uh, ability to stay at this high level of coaching, um, just simply because I worry about his health. I worry about his, you know, his his quality of life. Um, I, I love Huggins. You know, there was a CBS poll last year about who would you most like to have a beer with, and as far as uh, as far as college basketball goes, Huggins was, you know, overwhelmingly the number one pick, and and he was my pick as well. Um, but with you know, these guys, Javon Carter and Daxter Miles, when you think of them, you think of Huggins. And when, when their careers come to a close, you can't help but wonder if Huggins is, you know, starting to look at his career as, Jesus, do I want to go out, hit the road, and put together another window? You know, this window has closed. The Carter and Miles window has closed now. You know, what is the next window? When's the next opportunity? You know, it was similar to when Truck Bryant left. You know that's that felt like a window closing, but then Carter, Miles, Jason, uh, Jay Sean Page, those guys showed back up, and the window kind of opened up again. I'm I'm just interested to see what Huggy Bear does after this season. I love the guy. I hope he coaches forever. You know, I hope he coaches till he's 80, like Coach K and Bayheim are doing. It'll be something interesting, I think, to keep your eye on though, because I don't know if he's going to coach forever. So we'll see what happens. Uh, moving on to Texas Tech, Purdue. Texas Tech gets a win, seventy-eight to sixty-five. You know, this was a, a byproduct, I think, of Isaac Haas's injury. You know, eventually it was going to keep, it was going to catch up to the Boilermakers. I think it caught up to him in this game. Uh, Keenan Ever, Keenan Evans, as I said Wednesday night, this is a guy that I can easily root for. You know, I don't really have any allegiances left in this tournament other than who I've bet on in the preseason. If Texas Tech wins at all, I'm fine with throwing my tickets away. I think just just to see it, just for something new, you know. Um, and I and I know what some of you guys are yelling about who I need to talk about. We're gonna get there in a second. Okay, I saved the best for last. So, but Keenan Evans is a guy that I like. Uh, Chris Beard is a coach that um, when he was at was Arkansas State, I believe. Um, that year, I picked them. He provided me with some good stuff. I think he's a good coach. He co- he he runs a, a fun system to watch, an entertaining system to watch. Um, Texas Tech is also a, a program that I keep an eye on, and I'm going to in the future because of a recent signee, a recent commitment from one of my favorite high school seniors right now, Kayvon Moore, um, who, if if you haven't seen him, plays a six seven six eight point guard basically. And he's just a fun player to watch. He's a kid that I'm going to watch for the next four years. 
Love that kid. Love his game. Really wanted him to stay at home in Atlanta, but unfortunately, he's not going to do that. So, I am, uh, you know, I'm, a, I'm kind of a closet Texas Tech fan. And uh, if they ended up winning it all, I would not be disappointed at all. Um, Carson Edwards in this game had 30 points. And one strange thing to remember, funny thing to remember, Carson Edwards is only a sophomore. You know, Carson Edwards probably isn't going pro. I don't think he's a pro point guard at this point. Uh, he's a, you know, Mateen Cleaves kind of guy. He's just a college winner who's going to, you know, he's Jalen Brunson. He's a guy who's going to dominate college basketball for a four-year career, I think. Uh, he, I, he might test NBA waters, but I would ultimately expect him to be back. Um, looking forward also to watching him over the next two years. He's a great kid. Uh, seems seems to be a great kid. I don't know him, so I can't really say that with any uh, conviction. But he's a guy that you just enjoy watch play play the game. He's good for the basketball. He's 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 just he's why I watch college basketball. Okay, kids like Keenan Evans, kids like Carson Edwards. That's why I watch college basketball. You don't see Carson Edwards flopping like LeBron, like a dead fucking fish out on the basketball court. Okay. You know, <laughs> that's why I don't, you know, I, I have some friends that tell me all the time that I'm going to, I'm going to hate when, when LeBron is gone, I'm unable to watch him. And I say, sure, but watching him now, watching his post-game interviews, watching him flop on the ground, that's why I don't watch the NBA. Just a bunch of bitches, you know, watching Isaac Haas try, try to play with a broken elbow. That's why I watch college basketball, watching Carson Edwards go out there and score 30 and lose as a sophomore. And you know that's just going to make him more hungry to come back and Purdue's going to be in the Elite Eight or a Final Four team next year. That's why I watch college basketball. These kids from Chicago being in the Final Four, that's why I watch college basketball. Could have told you last year before the NBA season started who the four teams remaining or the two teams in the finals were going to be for the next three years before the season ever even started in 2017. That's why I don't watch the NBA. All these motherfuckers just want to play together and make it easy now. You think Johnson and Bird want to play together because they couldn't beat each other? No. They want to beat each other. They have a competitive spirit. These guys just want to take the easy road, fucking millennials. Anyway, moving on. Florida State over to Gonzaga. You know, this is a game I picked Gonzaga, and I and I felt good about the pick, felt fine about it, didn't have any reservations about it. Had I known that Killian Tilly was not going to play the other night, I wouldn't have picked Gonzaga. You know, I thought Florida State had a good chance with Tilly to beat them. Jesus, if I would have known that Tilly was going to be out of the game, I would have picked Florida State all day long, and I would have been able to make some money on it. But I didn't. That's life. Florida State overachieves before they fundamentally underachieve in the very next game, which we all saw coming. If you if you tried to ride that Florida State train, I, I got no sympathy for you. It, you just, you ain't paying attention. Uh, Leonard Hamilton, nobody does less with more than Leonard Hamilton when it comes to ACC basketball. Okay. I'm finally going to talk about him, fellas. I, I know that you guys got to be sitting there to asking me what, you know, why aren't you talking about Loyola Chicago? I'm going to talk about him right now. I saved the best for last because I got a lot to say on him. This is a team that I've actually watched play, I think, every game. I believe I've watched every game of theirs because they are, they're just intriguing. You know what I mean? They are George Mason, whatever year that was, 2005 or nine or whatever. I don't remember. So Loyola Chicago comes into Sweet 16 this week. I thought they'd lose to Nevada. Um, they didn't. They they actually beat uh, Nevada in the Sweet 16, and then last night they defeated Kansas State. I think the thing that's great about this game, about this team, one of obviously is Sister Jean. I mean, I, I hear she's got her own bobblehead now. She's got her own T-shirts now. Shit's flying off the rack. Hey, <laughs> I think it's great. It's it's a fun story for a year that's been very difficult in college basketball. So, I you know, the lady's a sweet lady. Um, 
you know, it's it's a great story, and it's it's awesome to see these guys, and they have a real shot at Michigan. Okay, this isn't uh, George Mason playing fucking Kentucky or whoever they played that year. Michigan is has showed out a couple times in this tournament, but they're not a team that is going to overwhelm you with any aspect of of the basketball game. And I think Loyola Chicago, the way they play, they have a good shot at beating Michigan. Now, when I say the way they play, they run a real offense. Okay. They make extra passes. They get easy shots. This whole pro-style myth-type offense, that like the Nevada, if you watch the Nevada game, you heard the announcers cram it down your throat all game. They run a pro-style offense, pro-style offense, pro-style offense. What's that mean? It means they shoot a bunch of threes and they run some pick and roll. That's basically all that means. Um, I think it's crap. It's, it's horseshit. It's a way of saying that Nevada should win the game. Okay, if you watch Loyola Chicago play, you know what they run? They run winning offense. Okay, they get easy shots. Okay, they move the ball. There's no there's no ball dominant player like the like both the Martin twins are for Nevada. Okay, dribble 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 jack up a three. Okay, that that's not what you see with Loyola Chicago. Now I know the whole 200 passes mantra for Nevada. It's not what I see. It's not what I see when I watch them play. They might pass the ball a little bit, but they're passing it. The Martin Twins might just pass it back and forth five or six times to each other in four seconds and then jack up a three. Or get to the basket. They can get to the basket. They are fun to watch play. I'm not I'm not I'm not trying to be critical of Nevada. I'm trying to be critical of everyone is using the pro style offense as a way of saying they're a better team. That's what that means. They should win the game. And I, I didn't necessarily think that they should win that game. Lilith Chicago, even with um, independence guys like Kevin Sweeney on Twitter, uh, CBB Central. You know they they love Nevada, but they also love Loyola Chicago all year. These guys talk about Loyola Chicago since December. You know since November. These guys were on that train, um, and just because you think you know a bigger program in Nevada, they've had some success in the tournament. They've had some big time players in recent years. Uh, Nick Fazekas, for instance. Um, you know. Uh, you know, just you know, a couple other players who are their minds are actually escaping. Uh, their names are actually escaping my mind right now. But Nevada has had success in the past, um, whereas Loyola Chicago, not so much. Um, when the Ramblers are on the court, there's not a ball dominant player. They have like five guys that average double figures. They can all shoot the ball well. They can all get to the rim. They all love that reverse layup, uh, using the rim as a defender from the defender. Um, it's just they're really well-coached, senior, junior, upperclassman-laden team. And I think you're seeing, uh, you know, we talked about this earlier in the year. You know, you're going to see some of these players, for instance, that signed at Georgia Tech, these Evan Cole, uh, Justin Moore, Moses Wright. These are the kids that aren't going to make immediate impacts at the ACC level, but they're the kids on the teams like like Loyola Chicago that you're going to run into at tournament time when they're seniors, when they've played together for four years. Now, Loyola Chicago has a backcourt of guys that have played together since middle school. I mean, they're a great team. They've been playing together for a long time. They're well-coached. They run their stuff regardless of, of the situation. They get good shots. They hit their triples. They make their layups. You know, a lot of the times you watch these freshman one-and-done teams, they don't make layups. You know, they shoot 20 shots and they, they, you know, and they have 17 points. That's not something I'm really interested in. This team's 32-5, and five, people. Okay, you don't win 32 games by being mediocre. Okay, you win, 32 and you, you win 32 games by being exceptional at what you do. And they run their system better than anybody runs their system in this tournament right now. And you're seeing the results. Now, there's some talk on the flip side of that coin with Nevada 
People are saying Nevada is a legit contender next year. I think you're fucking crazy. I, I, I mean, Nevada's good. Okay, the Martin kids are good. You know, a couple of six, seven wings. Uh, Jordan Caroline is, is one of my favorite players to watch in this tournament. Um, they do lose Kendall Stevens this year, but um, they should get back um, their point guard, Lindsey Drew, who ruptured his Achilles in February. If that name sounds familiar, he's the son of Larry Drew, brother of Larry Drew from UNC and UCLA. Uh, he averaged eight points, four assists a game for them. Uh, was their primary point guard. I, I like this team. I think they're awesome, and I'm not going to say it as a mid-major because I think they're awesome as a basketball team in college basketball. They're going to be in the tournament next year. They're not going to be one of the top ten teams that are going to be favored in that tournament to win the national championship. Um, they're going to be a Sweet 16 team, depending on the draw. And I mean, what if they – what were they this year? They were a seven seed this year, okay? They lose Kendall Stevens. Now, say they're an eight seed next year, and they're going to draw a nine. Okay, you're going to take them against NC State? Okay, you're going to take them against uh, Kansas State, Clemson, uh, Florida State? Are you picking Nevada against any of them teams this year? Maybe. Some of you guys that watch them play a ton, you know, some of the independents on Twitter, they, they may they may take that. But there's also a, a fairly – I'm going to call all those games 50-50 games in the first – there's a chance they lose in the first round. You know, I mean, there's a chance anybody losing in the first round. We saw that with Arizona this year. My point is, legit contender, yeah, for the Sweet 16, not for a national title. I don't think there's any way Nevada wins a national title. Not, not with this team, anyway. Um, so, calm down a bit. I mean, they're good. They had a good run. But national title contender? Eh, I don't see that. Um, I'm going to move into uh, picks for tonight's games. Um, real quick, we got Kansas and Duke. Um, Duke is currently a three-point favorite. I think the biggest question I have in this game right now is something that I basically bring up every time Duke plays. That's their big men. How do you defend their big men? And um, Yudoka Azubuki, he, who played well, he, I mean, he plays, he, he he's a f- ferocious on the offensive end. I mean, that guy is trying to break the rim because maybe he needs a break. I don't know. But when he, uh, he dunked on Mark Donnell the other night, and he got away with a hook. I mean, he hooked him with an elbow so hard that he might have cracked one of Donnell's ribs. But the way he jammed that ball was looking like he was trying to work out some issues. Okay, he's got something going on, okay? <laughs> there's some there's uh, some shorty, okay, in the Kansas dorm that's driving him crazy right now. And he's playing very ferocious, but I also think he's also very hobbled. Um, watching him walk off the court after he fouled out the other night, I thought he was obviously limping. I And if you got to go out there and defend Bagley the third and Carter the second on a hobbled knee, man, he's going to be in foul trouble early. Um, I don't think there's any question about that at all. And then you got Mitch Lightfoot or Silvio D'Souza trying to, to D up these guys. I, I don't see it. I think Kansas is going to be in trouble at probably the 10-minute mark in the first half is what I'm going to say. I think uh, Duke is going to get it going. Now, Now, if you watch Duke play against um, against Syracuse, there, there are certain things that they need to do better. You know, Allen needs to shoot better. 3 or 14 from deep isn't going to get it done here. And you combine that with Gary Trent Jr., they, they went to go uh, 5 of 22 that's not going to get it done against this Kansas team, especially if they shoot the way they shot the other night. They went 10 to 22 from deep themselves. Um, can Kansas shoot Duke out of that zone? Because I think 
one thing that's for sure is when you have guys like Devontae Graham, uh, Malik Newton, LeGerald Vick, uh, Svi Michalik, if you can get Duke to play man-to-man against that team, Kansas's chance looks a whole lot better. But they've got to shoot the ball well early. Um, it, it's difficult because I think I think Duke's going to kill them on the glass, especially the offensive glass. Um, I, I like Duke here. Uh, I like these two bigs are just too good. They're the kind of the exception to the rule right now. If you look at the teams that are left, it, you know what wins in March guard play. It's it goes back to I think the first time I ever heard it, and I can't remember who said it was when Ohio State made their run with Scooney Penn and Michael Red. Guard play, guard play, guard play. Because I don't think they had a, a tremendous big on that team in March. Guard play wins. Well, I'll tell you what. You got two future NBA top five picks on your team as big men. Yeah, that wins too. Okay, not to mention the fact that you know Grayson Allen's fantastic and Trevon Duval. I think I'm getting to say his name correctly, by the way, which I'm pretty proud of. Even though I'd have no idea why we're saying it like that, it has been decent. Hasn't been a standout bad player. Gary Trent plays like a junior. You know, it all it helps when you have six NBA lottery picks on your team. But uh, excuse me, need a little water. Um, I just, if Kansas can get them out of that zone, Kansas has a chance. If Duke sits in that zone, I think they win by 10. You know, I, Duke at negative three, I'm probably laying the points. Uh, I've been waiting for, I've been waiting for Kansas to lose since the second round. I thought Seton Hall had a great shot at him. I thought Clemson had a great shot at him. I think Duke has obviously a great shot at him. And I think today is the end of the road for Kansas, which sucks for my wallet, but is good for my fucking pool and my bragging rights. So. I think Duke March is on today, and the second game is Villanova against Texas Tech. You know, the team I want to root for against the team that I think is probably the best team left. Uh, right now, Villanova, as of this podcast, it is court, currently uh, quarter past nine in the morning. As of right now, Villanova is a six-and-a-half-point favorite. The thing that, about Villanova is they can play any way you make them. Okay, West Virginia wanted to press them. That's fine. Villanova turned it over a little bit. But they also broke that pressure and was able to get easy baskets. Now you put them in the half court, that's fine. They're going to run their stuff, and DiVincenzo and Bridges and are going to hit triples, and Jalen Brunson's going to post you up, and he's going to score against your smaller point guard. Um, and he might even step on your guy's foot and watch him fall down and then drill a triple in his face, which he did the other night as well. Um, the thing about Villanova is just they, they're just the best team in this tournament is basically the only way you can describe that team accurately right now. Villanova is the best team in this tournament. They're the best team or they're the team to beat. I think it's quite obvious. I'm good with them winning again. Love Jay Wright. So at love Jalen Brunson. I, again, DiVincenzo is going to win a big East player of the year before it's all said and done. I'm going to say that right now. He's got two years left. I think he wins it next year. Anyway, Texas Tech, their key to victory here. You got to slow it down. I mean, you can't, if you let Villanova run or you try to run with them, you know, more possessions, more points. It, it's it's a fool's errand, in my opinion. So Texas Tech, they're going to excel in the half court here. you got to put the ball in Keenan Evans' hands, let him create, let him make plays in the half court. I think it's really your only option. Um, you sit back in half court man-to-man. Uh, Zach Smith, you, you get him to try to de-up Amari Spellman, who's been playing out of his mind. I think this is a huge matchup in this game. Obviously, uh, Brunson versus Evans is the key matchup. Zach Smith against Amari Spellman is a huge matchup in this game. Smith is a great defender, but Spellman has been really hot lately from all over the court. And uh, 
you know, if if Zach Smith is able to to block a bunch of shots, get a bunch of rebounds, and keep Spellman in check, Texas Tech has a real shot here. As long as Evans does his thing, um, I just think. I mean, it's 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 ninety eight to two as far as odds here. I I just don't think Texas Tech has the horses to hang with this Villanova team. I think right now the only team that has the horses to hang with this Villanova team is Duke, and I'm going to talk about that here in just a little bit. Uh, ultimately, I think Nova wins and covers, and I don't think it's close. Uh, spread six and a half. I think this is going to be a fifteen point game when the buzzer sounds. Um, Nova looks like the national championship team to me right now. Again, I don't know how many different ways I can say it, so I'm going to stop saying it for now. Uh, I'm going to move on to my next thoughts, which a lot of you guys ain't going to like. And I didn't really like I didn't really like writing it. I don't really like saying it, but I'm going to say it anyway because it's the kind of guy I am. The national title game is going to be the national semifinal game. Okay, Villanova and Duke is the national title game because. As good of a story as Loyola is, and as as good of a team as they are, and the good juju they get going, they ain't going to sniff either one of these teams, okay? As much as I like Michigan, and for those of you who don't know, I am a huge John Beeline fan, okay? I think he's the most underrated coach in the country, and I don't know how that's still possible. Michigan does not have the horses to hang with either one of these teams, okay? Whoever wins this game, and I know what I'm sounding like right now. I'm sounding like a goddamn Patriots fan who just lost to the Eagles, and you'd think eventually I'd learn my lesson. But sometimes you got to put yourself out there, okay? Now, it'll be great, and I'm really looking forward to watching it. The The potential matchups that you have, you know, the, the, the storylines that you have with this possible national, with any of these national uh, championship matchups. Now, you get Beeline, great guy, fantastic coach, one of my favorite guys outside of ACC play. Um, again, somehow still underrated. You get him to match up with Jay Wright, that would be, I mean, it's two most likable guys in college basketball. That is, That will be the only time in the history of American sports that I'll be in favor of everybody getting a trophy. Okay, everybody gets a trophy. You know, let's we'll tie the game at 69, we'll all slap five, we all get a trophy, we all go home happy, Okay. That would be fantastic. Uh, it's not going to happen that way. I don't. Bl- I mean, obviously, you know that's. But those two guys matching up for a national championship, you can't ask for anything better there. I don't think. And you know that might be that might be the best possible matchup because Beeline's going to. I think Beeline can outcoach Jay Wright. And I'm looking at my outline here, and I'm I'm way way off of where I'm supposed to be right now as far as what I'm supposed to be talking about. But sometimes you got to go off on a tangent. Love Beeline. I'd love to see that matchup. One of the other things that's funny, though, and I'd also like to see this, is wouldn't you want to see Loyola and Duke? Okay, Loyola, juniors, seniors, uh, Duke, freshmen, one and done, NBA lottery picks, okay? Custer the Hugger versus Grayson the Tripper. By the way, big ups to Custer on getting that hug. You know, that was a half-court heave. Um, from the CBS or TBS uh, sportscaster, sideline reporter after the game the other night. Well done, sir. I know what you was up to there. The whole world knew what you was up to there, and you got that hug. Big ups to you. But don't you want to see that? You want to see Loyola and Duke, don't you? I want to see seniors, guys that ain't going to play in the NBA, play against the NBA. That is every, that's every sports movie you've ever seen right there, right? Friday Night Lights. They're playing that big, bad team from outside of town that nobody can beat. They've got all these Division One players, and they pull it off. The Eagles against the Patriots, backup quarterback. Everybody's hurt. They got a good defensive line, though. Blah, 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 blah. You know the story. Eagles win rather handily, I thought. 
Great story. Unfortunately, life ain't a movie. To steal a line from a Bill Burr special, this ain't a movie. Sometimes you miss. Sometimes you miss bad. And I think, again, the national title game is the national semifinal. I think either one of those teams step on the court with either one of the other two teams, that being either Michigan or uh, Loyola step on the court with Villanova, Villanova's going to paste them. Either one of those teams step on the court with Duke, Duke's going to blast them. You just, it is what it is. You know, those stories that you see on movies, that happens one every 20 times, okay? It doesn't happen very often in college basketball. When's the last time a 10 seed beat UConn women? It doesn't happen, ever. So, again, whoever wins this national semifinal game between Duke and Villanova, that's who's going to be your national champion. Now, that's not to say that I ain't looking forward to watching John Beeline or this Loyola team play either one of those teams because how can you not? As a sports fan, you have to love that. So, it is what it is. You know, hopefully whoever comes out of that left side of the bracket can keep it close. But ultimately, I think the right side of the bracket has the national championship team in it right now. Okay, I'm going to get back to the ACC real quick. Uh, I'm going to take my uh, my NCAA tournament hat off for a minute. There has been some things that may be going under, on under the radar that people aren't catching that I'm not really concerned with, but I'm entertained by. One is there's a mass, there's not a mass exodus. I don't want to be fucking dramatic here, okay? There's an exodus going on in the ACC other than the one at Pittsburgh, okay? I don't know if any of you guys noticed this. Wake Forest has had four players leave its team since January, okay? Uh, Donovan Mitchell, who's a 6'8 combo forward type player, left about a week ago, maybe 10 days ago. And now news has come out that Keyshawn Woods is going to graduate. Good for him. And he's either going to go pro or he's going to grad transfer. So he will not be with the program next year. So, you know, the two guys that left before, uh, Richard Washington and Sam Jaffet Matthias, not huge contributors. Washington was actually injured. I think Matthias played four games this year, something like that. Those are, you know, they're not key contributors, not huge players as far as this roster goes. Now, Mitchell and Woods key components to next year's rotation. Now, they have a, a really good recruiting class coming in, but at the same time, you have to be concerned about what's going on. You know, I, I've said many times and have not been bashful about the fact that Danny Manning's record at Wake Forest is not much better than Jeff Buzdelic's at all. Yet somehow he keeps getting a pass because he keeps bringing in talent. Well, who's who's better? Who's the better coach? Buzdelic uh, with players that aren't very good putting up a record like that or Manning who gets top-notch, top-100 talent and can't do shit with it. I mean, they made the first four last year, but give me a fucking break. You know, John Collins, his development was incredible, and, you know, then he left. So it's, you know, last year's first four, cool, something to hang your hat on. So you made the first four something Buzz Delic never did, and your record is still on that same level. That's that's some pretty piss-poor results, return ROI, I you know. I'm just pointing stuff out, people. Uh, Wake Forest is in a bad way. I think that program's trending in the wrong direction. Now, you got some talented kids coming in next year. I haven't heard shit about Brian Crawford leaving yet for the NBA. I thought before the season that was definitely going to happen. He did not have the season that I anticipated. It'll be interesting to see what he does. Um, and again, you know, keep your ear to the ground. If you hear anything, yeah, tag me on Twitter. I'll talk about it. Send me, send me an email, which, by the way, we finally, I don't know how this escaped my attention, but you can now reach the ACC Basketball Report at the ACC Basketball Report at gmail.com. Send me questions, concerns, comments, hate mail. I don't give a shit. Send it in. I'll read it on the air. I'll answer any questions. We'll do a mailbag once I get enough. Looking forward to stuff like that. I'll answer anything. I welcome all comers. <laughs> um, anyway, 
Speaking of Pittsburgh, uh, it was brought to my attention that um, Daniel Kingsby, who is the Juco point guard two-star recruit, uh, incoming sophomore, has been released from his commitment to, to Pitt as well. So that makes uh, nine scholarship players and two recruits to be released from their commitments to the university, I believe. Now, it's also been brought to my attention, it was released, uh, I can't remember who released the report on Twitter, Marcus Carr is definitely leaving the program. And he has already received some very high-end interest. Um, Gonzaga and Iowa State are two that I remember off the top of my head. Parker Stewart also definitely leaving the program. It may be interesting, and uh, I was talking to a guy on Twitter the other day, a guy who, who gives me some really good information, who is able to read the tea leaves way better than I am able to. Uh, Parker Stewart did play for Penny Hardaway's AAU program. So... There may be some smoke. There may be some, there's smoke there. There may be some fire. Not sure how much legs that has, but Penny Hardaway is getting ready to upgrade the talent in Memphis in a big way. And Parker Stewart may be maybe a key cog or a definite definite participant in that. Um, for those of you who don't know, Danny Hurley accepted the UConn position this week um, after kind of uh, uh, tickling Pittsburgh's undercarriage a little bit. Um, and I think he definitely just used that that offer of 3.2, 3.4 million somewhere in that ballpark uh, to up his offer from UConn, where ultimately is where he wanted to be. I think it was fairly obvious. Some people called that out in December that that's where he was headed. Uh, you, uh, Pittsburgh then moved on to apparently reportedly Mark Schmidt of St. Bonaventure that started popping up on Twitter. Pittsburgh people lost their mind. I don't know who Pittsburgh thinks they are. I don't know if Pittsburgh thinks that maybe they deserve a coach like Jamie Dixon. <laughs> Unnecessary dig. You, you guys ran off Dixon. Now, his time may have passed. I'm starting to agree with you there after you know looking at some results. I'm starting to see what you guys saw. You made a terrible hire installings after the fact. Big ups to you for coming up with money to both dismiss him at $10 million to go away and then somehow come up with $3.2 mil to pay a new coach. I don't know who stepped up. But hookers and blow for that man for the rest of his life, as far as Pittsburgh fans are concerned. Now, at this point, you got to wonder who wants that job, because apparently nobody does. I'm sticking with my guns. I said, I don't know if it was before the season, but it was definitely early in the season, Brandon Knight is the guy. Okay, there was a report yesterday that popped up. And when I say report, I mean Twitter talk, which means, you know, 80% of these people are, don't know what the fuck they're talking about. Okay, assholes from their elbows and all that. John Shire's name popped up as a name that Coach K was was pumping up for the Pittsburgh job. I don't know how much how much legs that has. Uh, there's Pittsburgh beat reporters are saying it was nonsense because it's brought up by this coaching changes Twitter feed that has like 15 guys on it. Some of them just talk shit. Some of them do a bunch of cocaine and then get on there and just ramble. Some of them act like insiders. I don't know how many connections they have, but John Shire's name popped up for the Pittsburgh job and the fucking Pitt fans went crazy. Now, when you brought up John Shire's name, Pittsburgh fans probably said, okay, we'll take Mark Schmidt. Okay, I don't think they're going to get either one of them. Not that they wouldn't get either one of them. I don't think they're going to offer to either one of them. I think Brandon Knight's the guy. I don't think anybody wants this job. They just fired Kevin Stallings after two years. Now, me, I'll take the job. I'll take the job with a huge buyout. You could pay me $10 million after two years to go away. Cool. I'm in. Give me a call. And that won't even cost you that much. I don't know what the minimum is. I'll do 125k a year. Sit there and watch play basketball, go on recruiting trips, you know, throw hooker parties in Louisville. Ah, ah, never mind. That's, that's, that's a different story. But the other interesting thing that popped up this week that I didn't know, I didn't know this was a rule, 
was Jeff Goodman tweeted that Pittsburgh may only have two official visits left until August 1st. Um, apparently, you only get 24 official visits um, over a two-year period, and apparently when they signed 11 players last year installing second year, they used up 19 of them. And then, you know, normal course of, of recruiting during the season, they used up a few more. There has been some pushback on those numbers. Um, so people are tweeting out that those numbers reported by Goodman are incorrect. Again, since I don't know the rule, I can't really speak on that. But when you have uh, live periods, summer AAU circuits, things like that, and you're not able to set up official visits, and they have an exodus of 11, 11 players that just left their program, that's huge. I mean, you're starting way behind the eight ball there, people. I, you know, it's this is a five year rebuild minimum, and that's if you're able to recruit good talent. Um, and since Pittsburgh joined the ACC, they have not been able to recruit New York as well as they did when they were in the Big East for obvious reasons. Now they're getting more TV money, but they're not putting as good a product on the court. Pittsburgh's in a rough spot here. You know, I, I feel for them because G Tech was in a rough spot before, and and currently really still are. You know, we're still paying Paul Hewitt to go away. We're still paying Brian Gregory to go away. Now G Tech's tr- starting to trend upward. I think uh, we're putting some good recruiting classes together, and and Adidas is coming in. We finally got rid of Russell Athletic, but it's a long road, and I think Pittsburgh has a long road in front of them as well. I think uh, you know it doesn't take a rocket scientist to see that trend. So. You know, it's going to be tough for Pittsburgh. I don't think at this point uh, you're going to be able to please everybody. They're certainly not going to win the press conference. Um, I think Brandon Knight's the guy. And I know Pittsburgh fans don't want to hear that, but I think he's the guy. Um, and then the most, probably the most major um, coaching news to come out of the ACC this week is uh, Louisville has informed David Padgett that he will not be back next year. Um, Padgett has said he's basically going to go home, pour a glass of wine, and think about what the hell he's been involved in for the past six months. Uh, whether or not he pursues more coaching opportunities, I think that's a foregone conclusion. I mean, he's he's a coach. The guy just won ten games in the ACC, I think, and you know made the national invitational term. Now he had Sweet Sixteen talent. The guy's never been a head coach before. He gets thrown in the ACC. Talk about throwing chum in the water. Holy fuck! So you know, I think Pat's just going to be a good coach wherever he is. You know, and you always say in circumstances like this. You know, some A10 school is going to benefit. LaSalle just just got rid of or just parted ways with John Giannini. I, there it is, David Paget to LaSalle. I, I, you you can't do better, LaSalle. Call that man, give that man a job. He will do well in the Atlantic Ten. Mark my words, especially in a place where, like you know, like Philadelphia, where he can recruit. Uh, you know, <laughs> I I just I think that's that's uh, you know I think that's a fit. I think the AT, uh, the Atlantic 10, and David Padgett's a fit. I think he'll do well there. He can hone his skills. And then I think he'll be in the Power 6 Conference in a few years. Now, who's who's Louisville reaching out to? The usual suspects. You know, Chris Mack is the name floating to the top. And the only difference between, you know, oops, sorry about that. The only difference between, you know, every other team that's ever reached out to Chris Mack and Louisville reaching out to Chris Mack is Chris Mack seems to be a reciprocating interest. Um, they have met with Chris Mack, apparently. They met with him the other day. And Louisville is one of the most profitable um, uh, programs in all of Division One basketball. And they have money to burn, baby. Especially if they were able to get out of paying Patino. Um, I'm not sure how all that ended up. i got to look into that now that I think about it. But, I mean, they're a program that can pay Chris Mack four, four and a half million a year and not break a sweat. 
Now I don't know how lucrative their business all their business dealings with Adidas is right now. <laughs> that dumpster may be on fire. But again, they're a profitable program. They Louisville's a national brand. Okay, they're not blue blood, but they're the next guys down. Okay, they're not Duke, Kansas, Carolina, um, Kentucky. Okay, they're not there. Okay, but when you come down to the next notch, which I think would be what Michigan. Uh, Oregon, Florida, uh, you know teams like that. Villanova, I don't, I, you know, Villanova is getting ready to make that jump into into the Duke and Kentucky territory, but they're not quite there yet. But that's where that's where Louisville lives right now. Louisville and Villanova are pretty close. Okay, now Villanova runs good basketball. They get recruits that fit their system, and Louisville has cocaine and hooker parties and, and bang waitresses in the in the bathroom, but. You know, to each his own, whatever wins your games. You know, this is college basketball. There's no rules. If you ain't cheating, you ain't trying, right? Is that the new mantra? Have we adopted that yet? No? No, we're still, it's the kids first, right? Education rules? Okay. Anyway, moral of the story, Louisville has has money to burn. Chris Mack, who, you know, is the winningest coach in Xavier history, and that's actually saying something because Xavier is a tremendous program. I, you he is an alum of Xavier. That may have been his dream job. But when Louisville calls, you answer the fucking phone. Is basically what it boils down to. And you show me a man who's going to turn down four, four and a half million dollars over six years with a huge buyout. I'd like to shake that man's hand. He's obviously doing better in life than I am. Okay. There were uh, a, a, uh, some other, there was two notable coaching moves in the ACC already this year uh, that may have gone under the radar. Ron Sanchez, who is an assistant coach with Virginia Basketball, has accepted the head coaching position at UNC Charlotte. Let me grab some water. Now, Sanchez has been with Tony Bennett a long time. He was with Dick Bennett, Tony Bennett's father, before that. Um, Sanchez, top-notch recruiter. Okay? He's the guy that brought Clay Thompson to Wazoo. Okay? He's the guy that brought Malcolm Broad into Virginia. Now, Recently, Virginia has not had a ton of victories on the recruiting trail. Okay, now you could say, "Well, Kyle Guy's a five-star guy." He is absolutely right. On the recruiting trail before this year, during the live period, during summer recruiting, EYBL things of like that, um, Virginia was missing left and right, making everybody's top five, not locking down any any uh, any of their recruits, their targets. It seems like currently they're on target seven or eight. In most positions. Now, the good thing about Virginia is, you know, DeAndre Hunter's a redshirt freshman. Ty Jerome's a redshirt sophomore. Uh, no, just a regular sophomore. Uh, Kyle, uh, Kyle Guy is a sophomore. Uh, Mamadi Diakite is a sophomore junior. You know, Isaiah Wilkins is gone, but you have Jay Huff on the bench. Who, if you don't know who Jay Huff is, he's a fucking monster. He's, he's just, he's a monster sitting on that sideline right now that doesn't know how to play defense. When he figures it out defensively, you're going to know Jay Huff. He's going to be an all-ACC type player. He's that kind of talented. He has that kind of ceiling. So this team currently has a stigma as the only number one team to lose to a 16 seed in the tournament. Okay, They already had a stigma before that, that their style of play could not recruit upper echelon five-star and high four-star type talent. And now their best recruiter has just accepted a position elsewhere. This is really something you guys want to keep an eye on as Virginia recruiting over the next 18 months. Now, I don't know... Who they're going to bring in? It's too early to tell. I don't know if they've replaced him already. I don't believe they have. It would be way too soon. You want you know the tournament to wrap up before you take a look at those things. Depending on who they hire, Virginia recruiting may fall off. 
you know, and, and the, the people that Virginia, Virginia targets are people that fit their system. You know, good defensive players, good rebounders, good on-the-ball defenders. So, you know, that, that not to mention the academics. I don't know. I, I, you got to be in a high academic standard to get in Virginia, I imagine. Similar to G-Tech, unlike Duke in Louisville. So, you know, that, that shrinks your, your recruiting pool a great deal right there, not to mention style of play. And then you lose your top recruiter. It's going to be interesting. Keep an eye on Virginia and who they're able to sign. You know, they have a couple kids coming in next year who are pretty good. But moving forward, looking at 2019 class, that's the class you want to take a look at and say, geez, it really dropped off. Just just something to keep an eye out for. Okay, another guy that left is A.W. Hamilton. Has accepted a head coaching position at Eastern Kentucky University. Hamilton is the assistant coach to Kevin Keats at NC State. Hamilton is the guy that once upon a time coached at Hargrave Military Academy, okay? He is a great player development guy, okay? And his ties to both Hargrave as well as AAU circuits are are huge, okay? This is another top recruiter that brings in talent, okay? This is when we talk about Carlton Young, okay, at Florida State supplying Leonard Hamilton with great talent to lose with. These are the guys to their programs. Ron Sanchez is that guy to Virginia. A.D. Hamilton is that guy to NC State. So NC State has a huge recruiting class coming in this year. For those of you not paid attention, jump on verbal commits, jump on rivals, take a look. They have a top-notch recruiting class coming in next year. One of – I don't know where they rank nationally, but I'm sure wherever they are, I would say that they're under, it's underrated. They have a kid coming in 6'7", Sadiq Bay, who plays the shooting guard position. It's going to be awesome. going to be awesome. At least a three-year player. Kind of reminds me of Josh Okogie, but he's got a little bit more stank on him. You know, he's a four-star kid. He's he's a big-time prospect. He's a kid that I really like in this class. Okay. Going to touch on a few guys going pro, and then we're going to wrap it up. Uh, a couple guys either going pro or leaving their programs. I already mentioned uh, Keyshawn Woods is leaving uh, to go pro probably. I, I think, you know, he, he's a guy that can make some money overseas, I think. Uh, we've already talked about Jerome Robinson has put in his papers to go to the draft. Uh, a couple guys that left this week, Bruce Brown is going to go in but not hire an agent. Um, you know, Brown had kind of a, a weird sophomore year, and then he broke his foot. He's coming off an injury. I'm, I, I never, I'm never a big fan of guys going pro directly after an injury. I, I think they need to come back. Uh, now that may be because I had my heart broken when Deion Glover blew out his knee and then he went pro that year. But I, I think Bruce Brown – he his ceiling is so much higher than what he showed this year, and I, I think a year back, you know, Lonnie Walker is going to be back next year, and we all know. I mean, all you got to do is look at freshman and sophomore years. The way Bruce Brown played without Lonnie Walker his freshman year, and the way Bruce Brown played with Lonnie Walker his sophomore year, Bruce Brown should come back for his junior year and be dominant at Miami as a junior, and then go pro. In my opinion, I don't know. Maybe maybe outlook on his foot isn't great, and he needs to go pro, get paid, and support his family. That's that's a possibility. And if that's the case, Godspeed, all my support, best of luck. Uh, Omar Year 7 has left the NC State program and will either go pro or transfer. Now, I fully expect him to go pro, probably overseas. I do not expect him to transfer. Uh, Some people ask me if I see him transferring within the ACC. Not at all. No way, not ever, not possible. Okay, You transfer within conference in the ACC, I know you got to sit two years. He's not going to do that. The kid had pro stank on him when he came over to NC State last year. Okay, he wanted to go pro after last season. There's no way he's transferring and sitting here. The kid's going pro. 
Uh, Adell is apparently weighing his options and may test the NBA waters again. I was unaware that you could test them twice, but uh, apparently, according to reports from uh, one of the Louisville beat writers, I forget, and I need to do better on that, is that Adell was quoted as saying he could test twice and still remain eligible. So he is leaving the door open uh, to come back. I think he should. I, I don't think he's an NBA player. I, I just I don't. He's so inefficient. Um, his percentages went up this year, and they were still bad. Uh, and then, you know, uh, story of story of my life as a Georgia Tech fan, Josh Okogie's testing the waters as well. Uh, has not hired an agent, and he will remain eligible. I think Josh has a lot to work on. I think he is a future NBA player in the 3 and D uh, type mold. Uh, needs to work on his left hand. Needs to be able to finish the basket a little better. He's a great defender when he wants to be, but has lapses sometimes. I think he's... Uh, G Tech's best closeout defender on three point attempts, so I, I like Josh. I think he has a, I think he has an NBA future, or at least a, a pro future. I just don't know if it's quite yet. I think he would be able to be a higher end prospect if he came back to Georgia Tech and worked on some things. Um, the team I'm really waiting on now that they've been eliminated from the tournament is one that I'm really going to keep my eye on is Syracuse. Um, you know they're supposed to get Brissett, Battle, and Howard back next year. Not to mention Dolage, Chukwu. Uh, some say Matthew Moore. I'm not high on Moore. I could I could care less. Um, O'Shea Brissett is a lottery pick. I think. I think that's safe to say. You can teach that kid to shoot threes. I think, and he can do everything else already. He might be the most underrated freshman in the country. I, and I say that with total confidence and conviction. I, I don't think it's close. O'Shea Brissett is an NBA player at Syracuse, and. As a Syracuse fan, you want to see them succeed, but at the same time, next year with what they have coming in, uh, Jalen Carey, Darius Baisley, I mean, that's an Elite Eight team with all these guys. All these guys come back. Frank Howard, Battle, Jalen Carey in the backcourt, Baisley, Chukwu, Dolajai, Brissett in the frontcourt. Holy moly. You want to talk about some high-end talent. Now, they're not great shooters. You know, Brissett's not a great shooter. Battle's not a great shooter. You know, Battle's the other one that I worry about going pro. I don't think he's there yet. He's a he's a good guy that makes tough shots at the NCAA level. He if you watch him play, very rarely is he shooting wide open shots. He doesn't have, I don't know if it's lateral quickness or foot speed or what it is, but he doesn't shoot a high percentage from three. And when he gets into the lane, he's always getting bumped around. He's making tough shots. And in the NBA, I I don't think he's going to be able to make those shots. He's not going to be the most athletic guy there. He's not going to be the strongest guy there. He's not going to be. He's just not going to be that guy. So I think he's, he's going to benefit from another year at Syracuse. And honestly, even though I root for a different team in the ACC, I want to see that team together. Okay, I want to see Jalen Carey. I want to see them run out Carey, Washington, and Battle in a three-guard lineup. And you put Brissett and Chukwu probably at the forward and center positions, and then you bring Baisley and Dolajai off the bench. Holy moly. And then, you know, uh, Buddy Beheim is known as a shooter who's coming in, who's obviously Jim Beheim's son. I don't know if he's going to – I've seen him play on YouTube. I don't know if his shooting translate, translates immediately to the college game, but it's something to keep an eye on. Um, if he can come in and shoot the ball, which Syracuse is not a great shooting team right now, and if he can you know, up that aspect of their game as, as a team, as a whole, then <laughs> I'm telling you right now, Syracuse – I said earlier in the year, beat Syracuse now because next year is going to be fucking difficult. And uh, I, I hope everybody took my advice. I Again, 
uh, you know, we're running about an hour. It's, it's, it's pretty consistent right now as far as everything. So I'm going to wrap it up. Again, please, people, I have a review on iTunes right now that I don't ref- think reflects this show very well. Um, I think we're getting better each week. I hope you guys agree. And the review on iTunes right now is not very flattering. Apparently, early on when I tried to combine uh, my favorite shows of comedy and basketball, some people did not like it. And you may have noticed that I'm trying to get away from that a little bit and be strictly basketball with some funny drops here and there. Please get on iTunes, like, rate, review, share, you know, spread the word, let people know what I'm trying to build here. I certainly appreciate it. And don't forget, if you want to be a patron, if you want to, uh, uh, to support the show, to go to my Podbean page and do so as you see fit. So, like, rate, review, visit accbasketballreport.com for any uh, written content that I may get up. I've been slacking on that a little bit lately because I've been so busy at my real job that it makes it difficult. And unfortunately, I have to do what I hate to support myself doing what I love. So, it is what it is. Look for me on Fansided. Look for me at Slap the Sign. Look for me at accbasketballreport.com. I hope you guys enjoy the games today. hope you guys have a great rest of your weekend. Thanks for tuning in, and I'll see you next Sunday. Peace.